good morning. Uh, most of you know me. I'm Charlie Turner, the pastor here at River Rock Bible Church, and I'm uh, just excited for us to be continuing on in our series in generosity. Uh, we've been in this series for a while now. We've been looking at a couple different aspects of generosity. We've talked about our time. We've talked about our treasure, and we've talked about being generous with a subject most of us don't think about much, which is our, uh, our justice. This morning we come to the topic of our talents, our gifts that God has given us. How can we be generous with our talents? And one of the things that you've heard over and over again, you've heard it every single week from the beginning of this series, is this, that generosity is something God wants for you, not from you. Right? Generosity is something God wants for you and not from you, which is completely different from the rest of the world. How many of you are uh, like me and a little bit tired of every time you go to the checkout counter, somebody says, would you like to donate to, right? Anybody besides me? Am I the only jerk in the room? <laughs> like, I can't even go buy dog food without, do you want to donate to, you know, dogs in East, wherever, you know, that have three legs and two eyes, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's kind of specific, but no, I don't want to donate to that. I just want to buy my groceries and go home, like, and then you get out of the store and somebody's, hey, do you want to give? No, I don't. I want to I wanna go home. Like I'm tired. Everybody seems to always want something from us. But the amazing thing about God is that generosity, our giving, whether it's time, treasure, talents, or our testimony, or our justice, our giving is something that he wants for us because it draws us closer into relationship with him. It draws us deeper into our understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. And the great thing is that it helps us remember that we are stewards, we are managers of everything that God has given us. We're not owners, right? God is the owner of everything, but he's given us, he's given us a testimony. He's given us our talents. He's given us time. He's given us treasure, our money. He's entrusted us with that so that we can honor him with it. And I think uh, if anyone understood what it means to be a steward of their life for God's glory... It was Jesus himself, right? Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. And I think we see this perfectly modeled in Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 26 through 28. And let me just set these verses up for you. Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and two of them that are brothers come up and say, uh, Hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, like when you have all, that, you know, all the power, uh, would you let one of us sit on your right and the other one sit on your left? And... The other disciples hear about it, and they start arguing. And Jesus stops them, and he says, Look, it's, you guys need to understand that it's not going to be, you, you don't need to be like the Gentile leaders who lord it over the people that they lead, that I'm your leader, now go do what I say. Right? That's not how you're supposed to be. Jesus says this in verse 26. He says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what we see in this is that, that true generosity dictates that you live for others. Right? Wouldn't, would, would you agree that Jesus lived for others? Not only did he live for others, but he died for others. His entire life and death was for others. Those others including me and you. True generosity dictates that we live for others. We've got to be willing to give of ourselves, including our talents. Uh, 
what would it look like if we as a church adopted a mentality of generosity? If God's people were to say, I'm going to be generous with all that I am and all that I have. I can tell you what I, what I believe would happen. I believe that we would get the gospel out further and faster. More people would have an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ if every single believer, not just in this church, but in the church, the universal church, every believer worldwide said, I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my talents. And I'm going to be generous with my treasure and with my testimony. I'm going to understand that I am the steward. I am the manager and God is the owner. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine how much could be accomplished. Um, here's the thing, though. God has ordained, and I truly believe this, that God has ordained the local church to be the number one avenue for the gospel, for the mission, right? God has a mission for us. There's a reason why he doesn't just pull us out of the earth the moment we place our trust in Christ. He has something he wants us to accomplish while we're still here on earth. And that is that other people would hear the gospel. But in order for that to happen, it's going to take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. And I believe that God's design is for the local church, right? That mission starts with the local church. Uh, At the end of service today, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from a couple that are going to be serving as missionaries. We're going to be supporting them through our Give Back Fund. Um, The money that we raise through that is going to go to them. Uh, Some of it's going to stay here for benevolence, but a huge portion of that is going to go to them. But they're not going into the mission field to live there forever and become missionary pastors and then become pastors of a church in another part of the world. We're sending them over there. They're going over there so that they can teach people about Jesus Christ and that those people could teach people about Jesus Christ. And somewhere out of there, God would raise up a a native-born leader from that country who would then become their pastor. And then they would begin spreading the gospel in their own little area, right? That's, That's what we've done here as River Rock Bible Church. That's our desire because we believe that God's plan is for the local church. And so let me tell you this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be a part of a local church. Right? You need to be a part of a local church. That's God's design. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You can't be out there on your own. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You need to be a part of a local church. I believe we've got a pretty good one right here. But some of you may say, you know what, that... Uh, preaching style is not for me, or I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. I'm not sure about the, you know, if I agree 100% with this or, or that. That's okay. There are a lot of good churches out there. There are a lot of good churches out there, and it's okay if this is not your home. We'd love for it to be your home, don't get me wrong. But it's more important to us that you find a place that you are on fire about being there, because as a believer, it's not just important to go to church. You need to be all in when you get there. You need to find a church that you're in love with and say, you know what, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to give my time, my talents, my treasure, and my testimony to support this church as we reach out together to spread the gospel in this community. Right? You need to find that because that is what God desires for each and every one of us. Not from, but for each and every one of us that we would be a part of his mission. And the local church is the way that happens. Um, there's a, a, something that, that bothers me and a lot of pastors about the church in America. And I don't know at what point it happened, but at some point the church in America became a place to go. It became something to do. 
an activity, something to put on your calendar. It was a place to go and be fed, a place to go and consume. That's not God's, di- God's design for the church. That's not God's design for the church at all. Uh, Stephen actually, Stephen and I were meeting this week and we were talking about it and, and he shared an illustration with me that I want to share with you guys. Uh, it's the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship, right? So think of a cruise ship. The cruise ship, you get on, you pay your money, you get on, you're a passenger and there's a small crew that is there that is, their job is to meet your needs. Like the job of the crew is to make sure the passengers have all their needs, their wants and their desires met, that everybody's happy, and there's a very small portion of that crew on the cruise ship whose actual job is running the ship, like making sure that it's, it's being navigated, that it's being uh, steered in the right direction. There's only a handful of people that do that. Everyone else is focused on the passengers, and their entire mission is to make sure that the passengers have a safe, fun, entertaining trip. That's what a cruise ship does. And sadly, that's what many people view the church in America as, that this is where I come. I come to be entertained. I come to sit. I come to be fed. I come to be, uh, just feed me. Make it fun. Make, make it entertaining for me. And I'm just going to sit, and then I'm going to go, and then I'm going to come back next week and do the same thing. I'm going to buy another ticket. But a battleship, on the other hand, a battleship, that's pretty intimidating, right? A battleship has a mission. And guess what? There are no passengers on a battleship. There are crew members. Everybody on board is a crew member. And everybody on board is important. There are so many different jobs, but none of them are any less important than the other. Right? It doesn't matter if you have the best gunners in the world if there's no one to cook for them. It doesn't matter if you have the best engineers in the world to fix any problem that could come up on the ship if there's nobody to drive the ship. Everybody is needed on that ship. Everybody has a different role to fulfill. But every single one of those roles is important. And the mission of this battleship, everyone on board is working towards this mission. The mission is to accomplish whatever the commander-in-chief sends them to do. Right? They are so effective. Battleships, aircraft carriers are so effective at what they do that when they come into an area and they do what they do, they can change the entire political climate of an area and they become powerful ambassadors for their homeland. That's what the church is designed to be, right? We're designed to be powerful ambassadors for our homeland, which is heaven, which our commander-in-chief is God. And God's mission is that we would reach every man, woman, and child with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to do that, it's going to take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. So we have to understand that our role is, is not to be a passenger on a cruise ship, but a crew member on a battleship. That we have a mission, we have a purpose that God has called us to, and it's going to take every single one of us. Our jobs are going to be different. Our role is going to be different, right? How boring would it be if everyone here were a preacher, right? We would never, we would just talk for hours and hours and hours, right? And everyone would fall asleep. Uh, You'd have to wake somebody up to be able to talk to them, and then they'd talk to you, and they'd have to wake you up, right? It would be boring if we were all the same. 
So God has designed us differently. And, and the main passage I want us to look at this morning is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verses 4 through 7. But what I want us to keep in mind as we go through these verses is, is this. Do I view church as a cruise ship or a battleship? Like, am I here to consume, or has God truly designed me with a purpose to come and be a part of something, to be on mission? I think what you're going to see is that God has truly designed each and every one of us to be on mission. We're all seeking to accomplish the mission and the vision of reaching every man, woman, and child with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to reach every man, woman, and child, it's going to take every man, woman, and child. Amen? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Skip down to verse 4. He says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds, kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works of all them, works of uh, works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All right. So there's a couple things that we see in there that we're going to look at in just a little bit. We're going to take that apart just a little bit. But first, I want to give you a definition for strategic service. Because I think this is really what it comes down to. We keep in mind the battleship versus the cruise ship. And we want to think about strategic service with our talents. Strategic service is this. It says, as a gifted member of the body of Christ, each believer is responsible for exercising his or her gifts in tandem with other members of the body. It's not enough to exercise spiritual gifts. Maximum impact is contingent upon a coordinated strategic exercise of gifts as a part of the body. All right, did you get all that? I know it's a lot. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being strategic, having strategic service. Number one, first thing we have to recognize is that we are all gifted, that, that the Holy Spirit, um, your talents or spiritual gifts, as the scripture calls them, have been given to you generously by the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the moment you did that, God anointed you with a special spiritual gift. And if you want to read more about those, uh, you can find some of those in in Romans chapter 12 and in other places, and I'm happy to sit down with you. How many of you uh, took time to fill out the spiritual gift survey that I emailed out this week, this past week? Uh, If you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you to to, uh, open up your email. If you're on our emailing list, it should be in there. If you want a copy of it and you didn't get one, just fill out your connection card and ask for the spiritual gift survey. This is a great way. It's not the only way, but it's a great way to kind of have an idea of what your spiritual giftedness is. And, and the great thing is, is that you can then start thinking about how to put it into practice, right? So every believer has a spiritual gift that is given to them by the Holy Spirit. And like I said with the church, what you've got to realize is that God has given each of, and every one of us different spiritual gifts. And so if God brings you to a church, think of it this way. If God brings you to a church, it's because that church needs your gift. Think of it. Have you ever thought of church that way? Like, this church needs me. This church needs my gift of administration. This church needs my gift of hospitality. This church needs my gift of service. Right? I mean, think of it that way. Rather than thinking, what can I get from this church? Generosity says, 
God has given me a gift that he wants me to use to serve the people of this church so that we can all serve God in going further, faster with the gospel. That's the design. That's a battleship. We're moving forward on mission. And God has, has given each and every one of us a different role to play. The next thing I see here is it comes in, in verse 7. In verse 7, Paul says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. Again, not every single one of us have the same gift. In fact, it's probably very rarely are we going to find that two people have exactly the same gift in exactly the same way. We, we all have different types of gifts. Uh, even just on our elder board, there are three men uh, and we are all three very different in the way that God has designed us, in the different ways that God has created us and gifted us. And that's a good thing. I mean, it would not be good if we were all the same. Uh, it, it would not be good if every single one of us had the gift of administration, but nobody had the gift of leadership, right? That would, we'd just, we'd, we'd, we wouldn't know what to do. Like, we need someone to, to give us something to administrate, right? But someone's got to lead it. It's good that we all have gifts, and they're used for the common good. They're used for building each other up as the body of Jesus Christ. Our gifts are meant to be used to encourage one another so that we can go out and fulfill the mission of the world together. It's our desire as River Rock Bible Church that we would be a place where we would create uh, loving, warm, encouraging environments for people who are far from God whether it's that they, they walked away from the church after they left high school. Maybe they've never started a relationship with God. They don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Or maybe they're just someone out there who's questioning. And what we want is we want to create an environment where they can come and they can feel welcome. And they're not put off by some weird thing that we do that they think Christians are. They're not put off by uh, some greeter at the front door that's like, hey, you know, that they would feel welcome. That they would feel love. They would feel the unconditional love of God when they come here. And here's what we pray every Sunday morning at 9.15. When we have our pre-service meeting, we pray that everyone here would experience the empowering presence of God. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, that you would experience the empowering presence of God. And that everyone would walk away saying, I need more of this. I don't know what that was. If they're not a believer, that they would say, I don't know what that was, but I want more. I want to come back. Right? And it's not just here. It's in our community groups. It's any time we get together as a body that we want to create that atmosphere so that people can hear the good news. Right? How can they see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ if we can't even get them in the doors? If they're not welcome. If we're not engaged with them. And that takes every single one of us using our different giftedness in different ways, whatever way God calls us to do it. Again, we we want people to come and hear and experience the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Um, Here's the next thing is that we have to commit to knowing and using your God-given shape. All right? Some of you may recognize this acronym SHAPE here. Um, If you want to write this in your notes, let me tell you what it stands for. The S stands for spiritual gifts, right? So that spiritual gift survey is is a great way to kind of find out what what might be your top couple spiritual gifts. So you've got to know what your spiritual gifts are if you're going to exercise them, right? The next is your heart. What things has God placed on you? What passions has he given you? 
Are you passionate about music? I mean, there's, there's, that's something that God can give you. Uh, are you passionate about, I've mentioned administration a couple times. I would love if we had someone who's like, man, I am administrative. I would love to take over the bulletin. I would love to take over that weekly email. I would love to be like a, an administrator for the church. Just volunteer some of my time to do that. I, I'm not that administrative. Uh, you may, some, I was telling somebody about the weekly email, and they're like, that's weekly? It's supposed to go out weekly? I'm like, yeah, sometimes I forget. Um, other stuff comes up, and so I would love if God has gifted you with administration, uh, if, if you would say, hey, I think I can do that. I can put a bulletin together. I can do that. Uh, not only am I gifted there, but I have a passion for like, making sure things are neat and orderly. All my pens line up the same direction in my drawer at home. Uh, the next thing is personality. What personality has God given you? Right? Some of us are introverts and some of us are extroverts. And we need both. It takes both, right? There are thinkers and there are feelers. Real quick story. Uh, when I first got started in ministry, um, this will tell you whether I'm a thinker or a feeler. This 16-year-old girl comes in my office, shuts the door, starts bawling on my couch. I can't understand what she's trying to say. Her, it turns out her boyfriend had broken up with her, which I was just like, you're 16. It happens. But apparently they were going to get married uh, as soon as they graduated college. Um, and so, yeah. so she's bawling, and I'm sitting there, and I, I'm 21 years old. I have no idea what to do. I was just like, I'm going to go down to the youth room. When you're done crying, come get me. Uh, not so much a feeler, right? I learned from that experience, though, and I've grown from that. My beautiful wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was able to sit with her and comfort her. Um, she's a feeler. I'm much more of a thinker and a doer, but it takes all kinds, right? Imagine uh, if you, like, if you go to a counselor. Uh, how many of you remember that, that Geico commercial where it's the guy from Full Metal Jacket, the army guy, and he's, like, yelling at him. He calls him the jack wagon and all that. I love that commercial, right? We probably wouldn't go to counselors like that. We need counselors that are able to sit and listen. It takes all kinds, right? We need all kinds. So we have our spiritual gifts. We have our heart, which is our passions. We have, uh, next is, is our ability. I think I skipped over that. Abilities uh, is A, right? There are natural abilities that God has given some people, right? God has made some people ginormous, and they can be linemen, right? I am not that guy. God has given some people the ability to jump real high. I'm not that guy. God has given the ability, like setting up these uh, drapes right here, it would take me forever because I have to get a chair and get on the other side. But God has given us some six-foot-plus guys that can just reach up there and put it up there. Right? That's an ability that we need. Uh, there are other abilities. Music is another ability. Some of you guys are just naturally gifted at music, and you need to talk to Stephen and say, you know what? I can sing. I can play an instrument. I can play the washboard. I can play the spoons. Um, give me something to do, man. And, and I don't know about washboard and spoons, but we could probably find a place for you. Uh, those are natural abilities. Your personality we've covered. And then last is your experience. Your experience. We can certainly find a place for kids. That is a great question. Remember, it takes every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. So our experiences. Do you realize that your experiences, both good and bad, God has allowed you to go through those for a reason? That they shape who you are and how you minister to other people? 
I've, I've shared this before, but my wife and I went through a stillbirth, and that has given us the ability to minister to other people in a way that someone who's not been through that couldn't do it. Even our bad experiences, God has given to us for a purpose. Right? It's brought us to where we are. It's shaped who we are. So think through that. Think through your shape and how God wants to use that. Um, let me say this. I have this golf club up here. I'm not very good at golf. Uh, Doug Brown can tell you that. Uh, he and I went last July, and it was probably the longest round of his life. Um, I just told him I was getting my money's worth, that I was going to make every stroke count. But this is my driver that does not get much use because I'm not very good at using my driver. And I'm told it has a sweet spot. Uh, I haven't been able to find it, but I'm told it has a sweet spot that if you hit it there, the ball goes long and far and straight, not like a boomerang, uh, like mine tends to do. But the golf club, the sweet spot is, is where you want to hit the ball, right? That's where you're going to get the best shot, right down the middle of the fairway. And every single one of us have a sweet spot where our shape, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experience all come together for us to find the perfect place that God would have us serve, right? God has designed us for that sweet spot, and I would encourage each and every one of you to find your sweet spot. But, you know, sometimes even the best golfers end up in a situation where they end up using their clubs in a way that, that they wouldn't normally use their clubs, and their clubs are not really designed to be used this way. And this is what we have in this. Uh, what I want to show you is a clip of Sergio Garcia, who's hit his ball, and it's ended up in a not-so-normal place to find a golf ball. Um, but let's see what happens. Let's check out this video. How can the ball stay there? That's what he has to be at. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> How about that? I think he even took some of the bark off. So last year, Sergio Garcia is at this tournament. His ball ends up somehow landing and staying in a tree. Um, and I believe the club that he used there was a tree wood. Um, uh, thank you very much. But he climbs up in this tree, and he's trying to figure out, how am I going to get this ball out of the tree so that I don't have to take a stroke? And he ends up with a club in his hands. Now, that club was not designed to hit golf balls out of a tree. It was not designed to be used one-handed, and it most certainly was not designed to be used backwards. But he makes it work, right? He takes the club that he has, and he makes it work. So here's what I want each and every one of us to realize, that even in a perfect church like this one... Uh, a church as wonderful as we are, as great as we are, uh, sometimes there are needs that just need to be filled. And it doesn't matter where, what your sweet spot is, what your giftedness is. Sometimes you just need to jump in and do it because it needs to be done. And there are plenty of opportunities for that kind of thing to happen. We have a setup and teardown team. Jason Dean is working to put together a rotation of men and women who will say, hey, I'll come once or twice a month and help set up and tear down. Um, it's not my giftedness. I'm not gifted in this area, but uh, I'm willing to do it because it needs to be done. We have a need for children's ministry. People just, I mean, do you know the story of Jesus and do you love kids? Like, can you, can you or not even that, can you keep kids alive for 45 minutes? Like, we just need people that can keep kids alive for 45 minutes and tell them a story about Jesus. Raise your hand if you can do that. Every single one of us can do that. 
And, and so we have needs in our children's ministry so that our children's ministry volunteers don't end up in Sunday school every week and they, get to, they have to miss the service, right? It takes every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. We have uh, openings and opportunities on our connections team. We have a connections team that, that helps find uh, opportunities like the Easter egg hunt, like the Annunciation Maternity Home. And some of you guys may say, you know, that's not really my passion to go out and find those things or, or to, to be a part of doing those things, but it's what the church is doing, so I'm going to do it, right? And the question becomes not where, where do I want to serve, where am I passionate about serving, but what are the needs? What if we all started asking that question, like what can I do? Not what do I want to do? Not what would make me happy to do, but what needs to be done? What can I do? I'm on a battleship. We're on a mission. If we're going to reach every man, woman, and child, it's going to take every man, woman, and child. And somebody's got to clean the toilets, right? Someone's got to clean the toilets on that battleship. It may be the captain. It may be the cook. Hopefully it's not the cook. Um, But someone's got to do it. They've got to take turns. There's a place for everybody to serve. Because the work of the church is too much for one person or group. The work of the church is too much for one person or group. There is no way that I can personally know to the level that everyone needs to be known, everyone that's, that's even here this morning. Right? The pastor can't do it by himself. Even now that we have Stephen, a new associate pastor, Stephen and I cannot know everybody, and we cannot be the ones, it's like, oh, the gospel, that's, that's their job. Like, that's what they do all week. They just go out and share the gospel. That's not enough. It's not enough to just say, well, the, the pastors and the elders and the ministry teams, that's like 10 people. They should be able to do it all, right? The work of the church Reaching every man, woman, and child is too much for one person or group of people. I'll say it again. It takes every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. That is our vision. That is our mission. That is what God has called us to do. We need everyone on board. We need everyone in the game. And, and the great thing about that is this, that ownership by you leads to greater kingdom impact. When you say, you know what, I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to take ownership of the fact that God has given me talents to use to build up other believers so that we can all together go out and reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. When you take ownership of that, it has greater kingdom impact. Like, imagine, uh, we're going to hear a little bit again, and I hope I'm not still in the Pharaoh's uh, thunder too much, but uh, the, the region that they're going, one of the things that they shared is uh, nobody wants to be a, a Christian because they think if you're a Christian, you have to be a pastor um, because the lay people don't necessarily do it. It's just like, oh, if you're a Christian, that automatically means you're a pastor. But one of the things we say here at River Rock Bible Church is that the pastors are the equippers and the lay people are the ministers, Right? So we take that whole priesthood of believer thing seriously. That my job as the pastor is to equip the saints. And I'm doing the same work. I'm doing the work of the ministry alongside of each and every one of you. But as a layperson, as a believer in Jesus Christ, your God-given role is to be a minister to the people around you. To be a minister to the believer next to you. To be a minister with the gospel to the lost person next to you, right? So that literally every single one of us would 
would serve as a pastor. I mean, imagine if you just thought, what would it look like if I considered myself the pastor of my street? Like, if I was responsible for the spiritual welfare of the people on my street or in my block of cubicles at work, like these six guys, what would it look like if I considered myself their pastor and I took responsibility for their spiritual well-being? What kind of impact could we have as a church? The last thing to remember is this, that people's lives are at stake. People's lives are at stake. This is why it is so important that we take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. People's lives are at stake. 93% of Americans believe in life after death. 93% believe in life after death. Scripture tells us certainly there is life after death. Of that 93%, 5% believe in hell. Five, only 5% believe in hell. We know from Scripture that there's only two choices, heaven or hell. And there's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Of that 5%, 2% believe that they are actually going to go to hell. Right? And I'm guessing that 95% of us have probably told someone to go there. Right? Right? Uh, People believe in this stuff, and it's important that we understand that people's eternal life is at stake. People's eternal life is at stake. We have the only message that can change where they end up. And it's going to take every single one of us to get that message out. It's going to take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. Uh, I'm going to close with our, our purpose statement here at River Rock Bible Church. Our mission is to go into our community and allow every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. We want every man, woman, and child, we want them to see it, hear it, and respond to it. And we want to give them repeated opportunities to do that. And it's going to take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child what is it that God wants you to do? Does he have a sweet spot here at River Rock Bible Church for you to serve that you just need to find? Or maybe, is he just saying, man, get in the game. Just ask, what can I do? What can I do? Let's get on board. Let's find the role that God has for us. And let's get this mission accomplished. Will you pray with me? Father, we do pray that you would allow each and every one of us to serve you with our talents, with our time, with our treasure, and with our testimony. God, that we could go faster, further, faster with the gospel. That we, in our lifetime, would see every man, woman, and child come to faith in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, especially as we lead up to Easter, God, that you would place uh, the names of friends and neighbors on our heart, that we could invite them to church, uh, that they would hear the message that we would have an opportunity to connect with them and demonstrate your love to them and allow them to hear the story of how you changed our lives and the story of how you changed the lives of so many through, your, through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.